In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by Pull Up a Chair, Back Porch Baptist, Slow Smoke Dogma, and all the other things we almost named this podcast. Welcome in to episode 25 of the Gospel Friends. I am David. I am Chase. And Nick, I don't remember us ever talking about Pull Up a Chair. I don't I don't know that I remember Pull Up a Chair. I thought you were going to say Pull Up something entirely different, but... Uh, um, well, hello. Uh, we... Uh, <laughs> We were, that was, uh, I was okay, for clarification, I was thinking of the brand of diapers. I see. pull-ups. We are are going 90 miles per hour out of the gate, as always. So I was looking at old emails, and it was called Let's Play a Name Game, where we were trying to come up with a name. And by the way, you had uh, Nicholas named as Smoking Nicholas McBeerkins in that email. It was a time where I had everybody uh, I knew with a a nickname (laughs) in Gmail. Oh, my goodness. So that one was was kind of one of my better ones. Because the email is addressed to Chase and Smoking, which I was trying to figure out. (laughs) <laughs> That'd be great, man. But uh, alternate podcast, shades and smoking. Back, there you go. Back, we were Let's on a uh, we were on a real dogma kick. Backyard dogma, back porch dogma, blue deep, paint dogma, deep fried dogma, ice brewed dogma, ice. Bre- I don't remember that one. Uh, pull up a chair was one that I had. I think that you guys. Just, oh, that explains that. Yeah, went right over it. Um, don't remember. Sorry. Yeah, the hall of dogma is kind of a leftover from one of our earliest name possibilities. Yeah, we may actually come up in trivia here in a minute, so we oh. don't, don't say anything about that. But uh, by the way, one of the names was Blue Collar Dogma, which is a little ironic because none of us are actually blue collar kind of gents. Well, we just lost our ability to identify with half of our audience. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Oh, I'm sorry. As we <laughs> as we drink our tea. Hey, Nick, can um, you pause the show for a minute? I, I left my uh, headphones in the rolls. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm too busy watching Nick uh, stick a comb in his beard and leave it there. Um, it's no shave November, and, yeah, and, and Nick's doing it. Nicholas is. Um, on we had top to bring of that it. up, huh? Really? We actually really? need to have a picture of that to tweet it out. I don't have no, a good angle. I don't think so. so, Dave, if sometime during the show you can do that, I would appreciate it. Uh, he looks if you like want an six in the morning. He looks like my something may happen to my phone. So. Oh, I see. He's threatening you again. By the way, I listened to a Again, lot of I listened wow. to a lot of our old episodes to prepare for the trivia game coming up in a little Did bit. Did you go to iTunes and rate the show? I didn't. Oh well, that would have been helpful. But we were joking. Nick made some comment that would have offended his wife in the pilot, and we talked about how she would never listen. And so, great, clever. <laughs> Wait, the pilot or episode zero? I, dude, I don't even know. There's like 19 out there before we ever got started. Anyway, speaking of getting started, or two. One of you go with contact info and stuff. That's oh, you, right. The contact. Oh, by the way, Nick, before you do that, could I give – I know listener feedback doesn't come until the end of the show, uh, but we got a we got a tweet this week that I thought might um, – it was from at Trapscum, said, my gospel oh, friends, dear. why does Nick Jenkins sound like he's trying to pick up a date when he gives out the contact info? Okay, so – Once again, good that your wife doesn't listen to the show, Nick. <laughs> I, um, if I – if never mind. I was just going to ask you, maybe when you do it tonight – I need Sam here to sing the song. Um so, this is awesome. I love you, Christopher. You were um, sick in the last episode. I was you sick had in the last episode. So you had like so, this whole. And it was very, you're not a lot better, you know, based on 
<laughs> you sounded earlier. He's coughed up half a lung since <laughs> we've been in the room. Right, and making me laugh is not going to make me cough okay, at all. Sorry. Um, so Samuel talked on the uh, one of the early shows about his podcast voice. Yes, uh, when he when he guest hosted, and so I guess more or less, you know, when I when I actually am structured and ready for a segment, I go into like podcast voice mode, and and that's this. And later on in the show, all kind of pretense falls away, and I just end up oh, okay. happy more on or self, so. or. You know, date ask pickup, a, ask a date, date, date yeah. pickup mode, which well, you shouldn't do as a married man. <clears throat> hey, next day night with your wife, and it gets to be romantic time. Try your podcast <laughs> voice and let us know how that goes over. Hey, Lisa, if you want to contact me on social media, you can reach me at. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said the name of his wife. Are we allowed to do that, dude? Y'all gave out my personal email two episodes ago, and I never have had an opportunity to say anything. But one of our listeners pointed out. That you guys just gave my email out, personal well, I mean, email. All that kind of stuff is kind of out there and available on the internet. Well, so is our wives' names, apparently. Uh, I guess so. Point. Okay. Anyway, Nick, go ahead and pick up data up for us. <laughs> we need to get going. Yeah, we got to speed it up here. Too much foolishness early I, on. I don't actually think he's going to do it now. <laughs> do you want me to do it? How do you get in touch with us? I'm not very good at this. Um, on Twitter. This or picking up dates. <laughs> <laughs> well. No comment on the, the okay, latter. Sorry. Twitter, at my gospel friends. Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma. Voicemail, 205-575-9735. I totally wouldn't date Nick after that. I mean, <laughs> I really I'm just totally, I just wouldn't. International listeners or livers, speakpipe.com slash the gospel friends. Good job. Yeah, yeah he, that's pretty, if pretty he, straight if up. He, if he called a potential date a liver. like that, yeah, I mean, it's just... It's just over. Hey, I do want to make a plug real quick. I mean, just listening to the show so far, you're like overwhelmed with the goodness of it. And you're thinking, I would love to bless these guys and, and show them how much I appreciate their well-ordered like uh, beginning of their show. I'd like to bless and how out these guys. They are. So the way to do that, guys, is just to search for, and ladies, search for The Gospel Friends on iTunes. We'd love, number one, to have you subscribe to the show. That really helps us. And give us a rating, like, you know, a positive rating. Um, that, that also really helps Thank us. You, helps us to, yeah, it helps us to find uh, uh, new listeners and things like that. So shoot us a rating, and we will mention you, just like we're going to mention right now, Joe Hodetto who uh, I probably didn't pronounce that right, but he had a great review for us. He said, these guys are great. They do switch from the humorous to the serious at breakneck speed. True. But that makes it all the more interesting to me. I've begun to listen to this weekly episodes every Monday or Tuesday. Fantastic podcast. That's strong words, but thank you. Thank you. For anyone interested in biblical thinking, which we talk about later on in the show, not at the beginning. So thank you, Joho. Dido, for that awesome review. And if I could find you on Twitter, I would tweet you a thanks. But um, searching that term didn't come up with anything, surprisingly enough. Really? It sounds like a show on Nickelodeon or something. It does. It's a little bit sing-song. It's I, time I for like Joho Dido, <laughs> would you say? Joho Hodido. Okay. That's awesome. So thank you, Joe. Yeah, thank, thank you for thank the you, kind Joe, of words. Joe. We are sorry if we have insulted you in the butchering of your name. Yes. What's on tap for today, guys, on episode 25? Mormons! <laughs> we, do we have some coming in? or Yes! Special <laughs> guest hosts um, Mormons. Yes! Are they, gonna, like... are they riding the bikes? In? Yes. 
It and, sounds like one of these car commercials. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Mormons, Mormons, Mormons. Okay. Yes, uh, so that's that's what Mormons. I'm talking about today, Mormons. Awesome. Well, we are also going to have a topic today called uh, How Can Churches Really Be Friendly? An article from the ChristianPost.com. Six reasons your church might not be as friendly as you think it is. Is and unless you're, you you're not as excited about your topic as I am about mine. I'm really not, I guess. But unless you go to you know unfriendly Baptist and then <laughs> and then you're you probably already know you're not that friendly. Exactly. Wow. And then Nick, we're going to talk about some uh, discussions that happened in the hall today. We're going to try to answer some questions um, as well as kind of give some commentary and some articles. What all we get to a little bit depends on the time. So, um, but looking forward to that. <laughs> Nick is a little gun shy because most of the time we cut his segment out. <laughs> We cut my segment out last week, so we that's true. Well, but none of us actually remember that episode, as oh, well. we talked about earlier. Well, yes. Because it was very late. I hope it was good. Does anybody notice a common thread? My topics get cut, and Chase's topics get cut. Hey. Huh. All right, on to what were you thinking, Global Edition. We need to kill David after the show. <laughs> but if we do that and you uh-huh. die of consumption, it's just going to be me, and that's not going to be good. No, we already have people in the hall talking about who could replace us if something happens, so... That's um, true. I've seen some of those onom- ominous uh, discussions. We're going to start this week, guys, in uh, what were you thinking? Global edition in France. Headline from France says the uh, French government now allows toilets in the kitchen. Oh boy! What? So apparently, it was. It's what? been a. It's been a law in France for some time that uh, you could not have a toilet in your kitchen or your living room, but the government's Minister of Housing and Minister of Ecology have recently announced that they are doing away with that law, and home builders and uh, remodelers uh, will now be free, according to Building Code, to have direct communication between toilets, kitchens, and living rooms. (laughs) I don't know what to say. (laughs) Well... Why would you have a toilet in the kitchen? This is this is the uh, this is the epitome of what were you thinking? Um, who maybe uh, do we have French listeners? Uh, we actually oh do. Okay, uh, not a lot. Maybe they could. I mean, I don't have. Why would you want a toilet in your kitchen? I, I look. We're from the south, right? Where we're supposed to be backward and all that kind of good stuff. But I, I don't even think Jim Bob. Johnson has a toilet in his kitchen, and well, Jim Bob does in his trailer last week. <laughs> oh my! I mean, we were looking at uh, has... we were looking at pop up campers uh, just recently, just kind of look and see maybe you know. And and Was there's there a toilet in the there's kitchen. There's a little toilet next to the kind of kitchen area because it's just a pop up, and and that kind of freaked me out a little bit. I was like, well, I don't would never want to use that. It's right there. Yeah, you want to separate those two things. Now, maybe a single guy, maybe a single guy on a bachelor pad. You know, hey, I want to head to the fridge, and then <laughs> I want to go make some room for what's in the fridge, <laughs> and I don't want to have to walk too far. That's a pretty good use oh, case. My. Nick, would you go to a toilet in your kitchen? I I can't conceive why why there would be a toilet in my kitchen if it were well. If you lived in France, it would be legal for you to do so, right? Why Again, was that outlawed? I, I can't I can't conceive of why I would have a toilet in my kitchen. I think it's out. It was outlawed for. You know, maybe health reasons. Oh, I mean, but it's not outlawed in America because nobody would be stupid enough to. So is this do one that of those is. places where you're subletting, and so like you have somebody has a nice apartment, and they've sublet one room, and then somebody like sublet the closet of that one room, and so it's okay. it's a bed and a toilet and a 
kitchen all right there together. Yeah. I don't know. We don't have building codes here in the South that, that are strenuous. So maybe in oh, well, some, I mean, maybe we kind of do. Do we? And can you just imagine, you know, Francois sitting in the, you know, designing a home. Oh, sacre bleu. I cannot put the toilet in the kitchen. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> Goodbye, French listeners. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. I. <laughs> that's how French people swear, by the way. Th- that's awesome. I, if I was going to have a toilet in oh, my house other than the kitchen, I think it would. I, I think I'd want want it in the den. No, that's very appropriate. You know, you don't want to get up from the TV while you're watching yeah. a big game. Hey, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, you don't want to have to, you know, run to another room. David would finally have his own throne in his house. There you go. Let's move from France to China. Chinese man confesses crush on work colleague with. We actually have quite a few Chinese listeners, so you know, just be careful. You stepped over my headline. Sorry. Chinese man confesses crush on work colleague with 99 brand new iPhones. Oh my God. In a geeky display of love, a Chinese man confessed his feelings to a co worker by buying her 99 brand new iPhones, putting them in the shape of a huge heart, and giving her flowers in the center of them. The extravagant gesture cost the man 500,000 yuan, over 80,000 U.S. dollars. That's a lot of wands. That's a lot. <laughs> so, now, uh, Chase, a few weeks ago, would you have went out with someone who uh, bought you an iPhone? <laughs> well, you know, what <laughs> if you were trying to get one? I am, so I am a married man, six? but I also desperately wanted an iPhone 6. So, What if they offered please, to you using that quick, voice Nick that uses for remember the, uh, the out-of-context <laughs> episode and just realize how this could go badly for us? The man stacked up 99 boxes of phones in the shape of a heart in the middle of the office parking lot during a break. He stood in the center with a bouquet of roses, ready to profess his undying love. The woman arrived, heard him out, but hasn't given him a reply yet. I heard she turned him down. I guess she took the phones and ran. What would you do with 99 iPhones besides put them on eBay and sell them? That's what I'd do. $80,000 he spent to confess a crush. He didn't even ask her to marry him. Like, it was just, hey, I like you. I mean, what happened to... What if he's like the Mark Zuckerberg of China and he's just $80,000 is like... And it was no big deal. Going to McDonald's for us. What happened to just like, you know, do you like me? Check yes or no on a piece of paper. That is a ridiculously the eighties ended ostentatious <laughs> display that's not nearly impressive enough for eighty thousand dollars. You could have done a lot better with your money, and we're all iPhone fans here, so maybe she has an iP- like an Apple tattoo. I don't know. Uh, yeah, something like that. Maybe there was something that made him go. Ooh. I mean, I give him I give him credit. I mean, like he he's obviously high class because he didn't buy her like Android phones or wow. something. Try okay. to Ouch. No more Prince listeners. No from more a lot of people with that one. Back in the United States, Ohio man says wife's remains were lost in the mail. We probably need to be careful here because, you know, the death of a spouse is not necessarily something that we want to laugh about. But um, there, not there's necessarily something but, we should laugh about. That sounds very. Look, there are some things, though, there are some things that even in the midst of sorrow, a foul needs to be called a foul. Um, the cremated remains of an Ohio woman that was supposed to be delivered to her husband didn't arrive as scheduled or in time for her funeral, and now the United States Postal Service is trying to figure out what happened to them. Oh, Good job, USPS. You, you You've got to go with FedEx in that situation. <laughs> you got to take a picture of Nick's hair, by the way. Yeah, yeah I do. You mail? P- P- well, 
What would you call that? Dead people? Corpses? How else would you? I mean, well, no, it's just ashes. Remains? You mail people's remains? Um, Norma Kirkendall was supposed to receive his wife's ashes by noon Saturday under a money back Priority Mail Express one day guarantee. Money back. He waited for hours, but the package never showed up. And the post office has launched an investigation. Um, not sure what actually happened to his wife's remains. Would the money back guarantee help you at all there, honestly? I don't think so. What, what Money back guarantee for what? The postage? I guess. So your wife's gone. Like you don't, her remains are gone and you're getting 350 back? That's a bad deal. Priority Mail Express. I think surely you need some tracking. Like if you're going to mail cremated remains of a loved one, I think you need to put some tracking on there. How did this? How did this arrangement come to come to come out? Come to come about? Excuse me. Uh, apparently, I think she was cremated in one place and then was going to be yeah, shipped. But, but do you go to the local post gonna... office and say, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, mm. hey, I'm going to cry." Look, every time I go to the post office, they they grill me about what I'm mailing. If you can't mail lithium batteries, how can you mail that's a, someone? That's a good question. I have a funnier, well, a not as tragic mail story that's <laughs> just, kind of funny. I'm just saying. My wife ordered a box of uh, books. Um, not people. No, no, books. Just regular old books for educational purposes. And when those books came, there was like 30 in the order. We got two books, a busted up box, and a chainsaw, <laughs> which had leaked that. oil I all over the other that. two books. She, you got a chainsaw in the mail trying to order some books. That is correct. <laughs> now, how that happened, I have no idea. <laughs> well, somewhere in mid-America, someone who was expecting two Precisely. books got some well, funny-looking uh, ashes. A used <laughs> chainsaw without the blade and leaking oil. Who mails that? <laughs> Were the two books okay. the books you ordered? They were part of the package, yes. So somewhere, what I've got to believe was that was an. I'm, I'm presuming with it you being you, it was Amazon. No, this was actually uh, my wife ordered it, so it was through eBay. Amazon would have got it right. Well, I was going to say, or it was just a computer glitch. My guess is the box kind of broke open, and another box broke open, and the person that put it back together said, what, well, books, you know, chainsaw, eh, you know, whatever." Good night. Strange things people mail. Indeed, including loved ones. So, you know, Stranger my softer side, I do hope that um, they find her. Oh, look, absolutely. But on the other side, I'm like, dude, what were you thinking about having your wife mailed to you? Oh, uh, yeah. I bet Tony will have some good words for this because he's got a lot of experience, not in the area of mailing, but in the area of I wonder if Tony directing. was ever expecting to receive some remains that didn't show up due to FedEx. Or have you ever had an expected client not arrive? Nick, we might should have vetoed this story during the pre pre show. I did ask. You did ask. We had I, our I feel chance. bad. Yeah, we, we had, had our, our chance, chance. And, and we didn't do it. Well, from France to China to Ohio, that was what were you thinking for this week? And now we're asking ourselves what were we thinking for letting David have the segment this week? That's right. But Good beyond job. that, it's time to play the game. This week it is all about the game and how you play it. And I have the game this week, guys. And in honor of uh, episode 25, I have uh, decided that we would do a little Gospel Friends trivia 
Nice. And so what what I did was I went back and listened to some of the earlier episodes that are on the uh, website, thegospelfriends.com, available there, all the way from the pilot. And most of these are going to center on the earlier shows, but just uh, give you guys a chance to uh, see how well you remember some of the content of Please our... Please tell me it was episode 24. <laughs> <laughs> We're For really whatever sh- reason, yeah. we don't remember that one very well. We are really struggling with uh, episode um, 24. So uh, we're going to start off with uh, Nicholas. Question number one. Yay. We have, I think, eight of these and some bonus worked in. In the pilot episode, Reverend Verbage made it known that his favorite rejected name for the show was what? A. Back Porch Baptist, B, Deep Fried Dogma, C, Rogue Friars, or D, Church Scoundrels? Mm. Reverend Verbage's favorite rejected name. See, I remember us talking about the Dogma one, but I'm going to go with Church Scoundrels. Uh, That is actually incorrect. My favorite rejected name was Deep Fried Dogma. See, that's the one I thought, but I thought you were trying to juke me. Mine was Rogue Friars. uh, Excuse me, Chase, for a bonus point, what was the Hall of Dogma going to be called had we become the Rogue Friars? That would be the Friary. The Friary is correct. A bonus point for Chase. Uh, Had we went with Rogue Friars... You would be commenting in the friary right yes, now. Not the, the Hall of Dogma. Not the Hall of Dogma. Chase, in episode number one, episode one, not to be confused with the pilot or 19 pre pilots, how many two. Twitter there followers? There was an unpublished pilot, there was an episode zero, which was a pilot, and then there's episode. How is this difficult for you? In episode nice. one, how many Twitter followers did we have? Two, eight, 25, or 102? Two, eight. Wait, what, episode one? Episode number one. Two, eight, 25, 25 or 102. 102. I remember this one. Well, I remember the, the beta episode, we had nine, and Nick was our 10th. So the week after that, two, uh, I'm going to say 102. Nope. Uh, episode one, we had eight followers. Eight. Yep. It oh. was not the beta. It was actually the next week. And what happened is we got, like, while we were doing a show prep, somebody else followed us. Dadgummit. And then I followed us to make us 10. You were 10. giving me a hard okay. time about it. Yep. Hey, how many? Can I get a bonus now? point for that? Well, actually, um, I'll just go ahead and read it, Nick. For a bonus point, it was revealed in episode two that this host had not even followed the show on Twitter. Oops. Okay, that's a point for Nick. So that's it's Nick. one one. Nick, we, we question number 12, three: twelve and a half thousand followers. Uh, for another bonus Praise point, yeah. th- this this gentleman was in charge of the Twitter when it, we had eight followers. <laughs> That was me. And then Chase caught, Chase texted me one night and said, hey, do you mind if I uh, mess around with the Twitter for a little bit? And now we have 12,000. Nick, Nick in ep- uh, question number three. In episode one, one of the show hosts mentioned that this actress was attractive, later landing him in a bit of hot water with his wife. Was it Tori Spelling, Tiffany Thiessen, Jenny Garth, or Elizabeth Berkeley? Oh, it was um, Elizabeth Berkeley. Actually, no, no, no. It was um. Oh crap! Is Liz- no, that's that's. Tori. Well, he can't just guess everyone. No, 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 no. Are no. you? It incorrect. was Kelly Kapowski. Yes, which is which Tiffany, Tiffany Thiessen. But I think I have to go with your first answer. Well, and it's not correct. Who um, said that about Tiffany Thiessen? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I sure character. don't Hold remember. On. I knew the character. Their wife the wasn't confused. too uh, too fond of that uh, that that part. I don't think. I actually was the only one who did not go Kelly Kapowski. I I said Elizabeth Berkeley was the. We were having a discussion of Fairness, about saying by the way, right. I got wrong. their I got their actors' names wrong. Dead wrong. Uh, Chase. Yes. 
the Gospel Friends, first Evaner. Evaner. <laughs> That's some good pronunciation there. Goodbye, David. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. The Gospel Friends' first ever listener feedback came from who? At Matt Redman, not the British singer, but the Matt Redman with a D. At Adhesive Wombat, at I Am Super Dad, or at Rachel Held Evans. That is, that is, it was a real close race between uh, uh, Rachel Held Evans and Adhesive uh, Wombat, but I'm going to go with the latter. Adhesive Wombat is correct. He is still waiting on his box of cereal nicks. That your Here's children the, ate. That man? For a bonus point, it was revealed that Adhesive Wombat's favorite segment at that time was? Oh, dear. I don't remember. Do you, Chase? Uh, Adhesive Wombat's his favorite, favorite segment? segment was the game. Nope. As the Driscoll turns. Oh, that's right. <laughs> which was an early segment on the show. And um, and way before all the Driscoll dramas. And way before dramas, all the yeah. Driscoll uh, dramas. Well, that so, depends on when you consider um, the Driscoll okay, drama well, started. Is that a two or a three? That's a four. <laughs> How many have you gotten? Correct. Two. It's okay, two so to it's one. two to one. Yeah. Uh, I still maintain I get the Kelly Nick, <laughs> our first ever negative feedback claimed that the show was too what? A, focused on cereal. B, silly. C, theological, or D, SEC-friendly? Oh. First ever negative feedback said we were too what? Repeat them again. Focused on cereal, silly, theological, or SEC-friendly? I go D. Actually, uh, that was later negative okay. feedback. The first ever negative feedback for the show said we were too silly. The guy said he wished he had his 15 minutes back, and he was an atheist. Oh, that's right. I remember that. I don't know why. make... We haven't done anything on cereal in a long time. We need to do that. I, don't, <laughs> I love cereal. Well, you should bring some. I should. That's I, my I job. I honestly don't know why you would, I mean, you know, if you pull up a podcast called The Gospel Friends and find it to be silly. That shouldn't be too shocking. A few more of these, Chase. In what episode did Caretaker Man at Baptist Fixer make his first ever appearance on The Gospel Friends oh Radar? Episode 3, Episode 8. Episode 12 or episode 15? What episode did he take over the Twitter, though? Because that would help. Yeah, it would help, but I'm not going to answer. 3, 8, 12, or 15. Ooh. Four, first eight, ever 15, feedback 16, from 20, Caretaker 40, Man as he made his first 40, appearance. 8. 8 is right. Boom. Nick, you can get a bonus point, though. What segment did he contact uh, us to comment on? A particular story of the show. Do not remember? No. Chase, you remember? No. He commented on the story Rancid we did. kangaroo meat. <laughs> he commented on the story we did uh, about the nude church in Virginia, Whitetail <laughs> Chapel. And I believe his first ever tweet to us was, as I listened to the Gospel Friends, I am glad that I do not work at Whitetail Chapel in Virginia. <laughs> and it was at that point we knew that Dan was That's a right. comedic genius. Yes. Uh, uh, this one goes to... Uh, Got two more left here. Che, uh, no, Nick. According to episode eight, the gospel friends were almost arrested. What was the crime? <laughs> it was a sin of omission. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> yep. So, um, see what happened was um, there were some young men that we have worked diligently to disciple and um, try to teach and, and lead well. And we realized one Monday night at one of their birthday gatherings that we had failed. And um, they were giving birthday spankings in a public place. 
Okay. Uh, the correct answer was participating uh, in a public spanking. So I guess that's a <laughs> that's a point for you. Well, there yeah, I'm not going to articulate there because yeah. we weren't. Yeah, in fact, participating. Let's be clear. Um, well, we look. had gone to dinner, <laughs> congregating in an area of public. You'll spanking. have to go How back and that? listen to episode eight to get the full story. No, I think with the way you led in there, I want to go ahead and give the. Whole it story looks like Chase right is there. going to win though, three to two. But I will give you a chance to just kind of run away with uh, with it. In Thank episode you. sixteen, the general made his first appearance on the show. In response to David's claim that he could not afford a MacBook, the general gave his now famous tagline. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember. Tagline? Evil is expensive. Oh, that was a, that was a great chase. Quote. Wins three well done, general. to two. Who's going to join us next week? By the way, the general will be here next Sunday for Live and in person. 26. The episode 26. All right, guys. Uh, Chase, as the winner of the episode 25 trivia, I guess you get to do your Good. segment. It's so. time for Mormons. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Hey, do what, we have Mormon of, music? We need to have some Mormon music there, Nick. Um... <laughs> What's some good Mormon music? Weren't I, the uh, I don't know. They ride those bicycles with the bell. Maybe they <laughs> maybe ding ding. I think those are the Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Oh, I'm sorry. What about Donnie uh, Donnie and Marie Osmond? They were Mormons, right? Maybe we could play a little segue there. <laughs> so this week, the Mormon- I really hope that we had not reached some Mormons who were listening to the show, considering turning from this Mormonism. Is- this is also the time where a video cast would have been excellent because the look on my face had to have been utterly priceless. It was good. It was a good look. That was good. I will say I, I recently met speechless. with uh, a group of Mormons in a, in a discussion of the faith, and uh, one of whom was a, a big, big, like big, big wig in the Mormon church. Uh, the other two were young ladies who were, who were missionaries, and I was very impressed by all three of them. Um, by their character, by their kindness and their patience with us, and uh, it was a good dialogue. So we laugh at everybody here, Mormons included. Chase was doing that that thing he does yeah. as only he can, where he digging us out of hole. He redeems the moment. Yeah, or tries. Uh, it, it would not offend me if I was listening to a Mormon podcast. The Mormon friends, if they said, and now it's time for the Baptist or something yeah. like that, I would, I would be fine. Okay, good. Just, just right. so the Mormon oh, church guys this week released an essay. <laughs> you are, yes, you are a, uh, this is all right. Little deal, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How, your turn. You know, I told you, you know, this was going to be a short segment. A quick set, is a segment. teacher. What was the essay on Chase? Oh, yeah, that's the important part. This week, the Mormon Church released an essay on their official LDS site uh, that, that said this. It, it has admitted and discussed something that um, you know pretty much everybody knows for sure, but the fact that their founder, Joseph Smith, was a polygamist. Now, if you're not familiar with the term, that means many wives. And they released this, a, a huge discussion about the fact that Joseph Smith had approximately 40 wives – the youngest of whom was 14. Now, they did take t- pains to admit that um, that the youngest wife and Mr. Smith did not have intimate relations, but the other wives did. Now, here's some of the things that's discussed in this official issue from the uh, official LDS website, that, uh, that, that some of these wives were married to other people, and Mr. Smith claimed them. But here's the biggest deal, and I'm going to read. Uh, I'm going to quote from it, that um, 
Initially, Joseph Smith did not want to become a polygamist, but the angel who delivered uh, Revelation to him, which would become ultimately the Book of Mormon, commanded him to do it. In fact, quote, three times between 1834 and 1842, the angel commanded him to proceed with plural marriage. The third time that angel appeared, the essay says it, it threatened to destroy him unless he obeyed. So the angel who supposedly brought the revelation that separates Mormons from Christianity commanded Joseph Smith to take 40 wives and told him if he didn't do it, he would kill him. Now, is that a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? Well, here's, here's where it makes or breaks also for me is then why did they stop? Well, I actually have an answer for that, and it's very interesting have they stopped? They have indeed stopped. Okay. Now, there's still some segments of Mormonism, though, correct? Some but, sects, S-E-C-T-S, of Mormonism still practice polygamy, but the official body stopped polyg- polygamy way back in the 1800s. I'm glad you asked why they stopped, mm-hmm. Nick. And then it's going to be a springboard into another comment I'm going to make in a minute. They stopped because of divine revelation from God. Their leader prayed once the United States government outlawed the practice of polygamy a few decades after the death of Smith. Their leader went before God and prayed, and God let him know that he had changed his mind, that no longer was polygamy a good thing for the Mormons, and it was rescinded as official uh, doctrine of the church. See, that's a big deal for me then. In that, first of all, Paul's um, directive... Even if, if an angel comes to you and presents another gospel, don't believe it. So, and again, maybe this isn't another gospel per se, um, but the fact that... I think it's another gospel. Keep going. When I think of the word gospel, I'm thinking of a means of salvation. And, and I don't know that they're saying that was a means of salvation. But um, the fact that they have ping-ponged on it under divine revelation twice now just... That's a that's a big deal to me because it just that's a huge swing on a on a non trivial on a non trivial issue. Um, uh, yeah. So that's a big deal. What was the release of the essay for? Informational? Or? It's interesting. They just kind of released it without a lot of fanfare, but obviously it's been picked up by by a lot of people making a big deal out of it. I, I assume though it's not twenty sixteen. They're trying to help him. I don't Could know be. if that helps him. I Maybe. don't. You you um. It, it, Look, that to me, um, that, that's actually a big deal. I, I think that really paints Joseph Smith in an even worse light. I mean, look, it was already you have you have a guy who's received a what I call a false gospel, and from quote unquote an angel, which the word, as Nick pointed out a moment ago, has very clearly laid out um, specifically, like even if. An angel came with another false mm-hmm. gospel. Um, now, it, it's it's potential that uh, Joseph Smith maybe actually did encounter a spiritual being. I've heard some ministers. Uh, oh, I actually don't doubt. Talk about that, but it was more of a demonic nature. Yeah, I have and no what doubt he thought that he encountered a spiritual being. It was an, you know, an angel. But here you have here you have Smith, and and just. Now paints him in the light of a predator. I mean, you have a, did I, I read in your your notes there? I mean, his 
One of his wives was 14 years old. That's and, correct. And the best friend of one of the his daughter, kids or the, something the like that? The daughter of one of his very good friends, Okay, so yes. look, you have all of a sudden, you have an angel showing up, an angel showing up saying, you know, here's... You here's, made quote marks. I, I made angel. quote marks, okay. yes. Uh, video limited uh, Don't die, limitation Nick. there. Thank you, buddy. Don't die on the show. Although, Whoa. would that be good for... Ratings. Ratings. Keep going. We'll love you, Nick. But uh, we... Uh, Hey, Jeremiah, stand by. If uh, <laughs> we got kidding. him warming up in the bullpen, <laughs> wait, what'd you say? That's, that's baseball terms. He's warming up say? in the bullpen. Oh, I thought you said we have a Mormon up in the bullpen. <laughs> well, I was trying to might. figure out wait, we're going to bring in a Mormon to replace. We've got a Mormon up in the bullpen. I did too. And we've got a Mormon in the bullpen. We've got Jeremiah warming up in the bullpen just in okay. case. I Nick thought you said we have a Mormon in the bullpen, in. like we were going to bring one in. Um, that would be all right, so you have something. An, you have an angel that shows up and says, hey, I've got some additional words from God, even though the end of the Bible says if you add to this, you know, doom and destruction will yep. come. Ignore that. Uh, I'm an angel. Ignore that part that says if I show up with a you know, different gospel to ignore me. And, and I also think you should marry a bunch of women, and one of them should be the 14-year-old daughter. daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and others of them We, we don't have be... any warning flags here? Uh, look, I've got a lot of warning flags. I mean, you understand. I've he married nine millimeter. But <laughs> it would be like it would be like you, David, saying, "I just met with an angel who said he would destroy me if I don't marry your wife, Chase." How did that pass? I don't know. How did that? I don't know much about look, the Joseph Smith it, background. Maybe he already had some. He had some influence already, or something. I mean, how does? Because look, if someone he was shows up, the whole show, wasn't he? Yeah, what, yeah, but it, someone shows up at my doorstep and says, I, "I'm, you know, I've got an angel told me I need to take your wife as my wife, or he'll destroy me." I'm going to say, "Well, come on, let's yeah, let's let, go. Let, let, <laughs> let's hope try that happens that. pretty quick." You yeah. know, because uh, so, yeah, I, that's a. Uh, I've never read that part of. Uh, I think it's interesting that they released that. Like, I, I really it's would like to know to me. what the because to me they. Would be trying because because they hold him in high esteem. So to me, they'd well, be sure. trying to kind of push that uh, portion of the story back down a little. So. Well, they it is an issue where the, they have taken a lot of flack over it. So I'm wondering if they're trying to not instead of having a bunch of hearsay rumors that no one can confirm or deny, have a statement and trying to at least put their spin on it. Uh, look, in my mind, this confirms the worst of what you've heard. Uh, it's not like it could be much worse. I'll tell you guys real quick two reasons why I think this is a big deal. Number one, this is the same angel that supposedly gave Joseph Smith the revelation that the Mormon church is based on, the same revelation that they hold in higher esteem than the Bible. And if I was a Mormon right now, I would be saying, wait a minute. Are you mean to tell me that our religion is based on this angel who threatened our founder with destruction if he didn't go take a 14-year-old girl as his wife and wives of his friends? Yes. That casts yeah. a ton of doubt on that whole story. Yes, cast him in a in an even worse light. It, is... it, it absolutely does. And here's the second reason why it's a big deal. Slate.com had an article this week that I thought was very insightful. It's called How Mormons Will Come to Accept Homosexuality. And here's the thing. Mormons and Christians on ethical issues generally line up very, very closely. They believe the Bible prohibits homosexuality. They're pro-life, etc. Um, but I don't know if you guys know this, but in 1852, the Mormon church came up with a ruling that prohibited blacks from becoming priests or being married in their temple. Hmm. Well, I, 
as recently as 1978, that was still Mormon church dogma. Hmm. But in 1978, the president and the Council of Twelve met for prayer, and God released them from that rule. And the writer of the Slate article, which I think is absolutely spot on, this is going to happen, 2014, 2015, whatever. The Mormons are going to, quote, get a word from God, completely changing what the Bible says and what their doctrine is now, That and it's just going to essentially say homosexuality is fine. Wow. In other words, Mormon doctrine is not based on the Bible. It's not based on what God thinks. It's based on what society says. And which is interesting, if you remember episodes back, we we talked about the uh, Andy Stanley Christian pastor who um, made the comment that our faith should be based on an event, not a book. You remember that? And it was, I, um, it was, I think it was in in talking about some of the people who've walked away from the faith, and and we discussed that. And I think that's a and not that uh, certainly the resurrection of Christ is is evidence of Christianity and is an you know, it is an important event to consider, you know, in terms of evidence of the faith. Obviously, the most critical event there is for us in terms of, of you know, Christianity. But kind of writing off the Bible and saying, Precisely. hey, don't base your faith on the book and this Word of God, or the Bible, don't base it on that event. And, and it was... I don't have a problem with the elevation of the resurrection of Christ, but with the oh, downgrade of the word of God that Andy seemed to do in that tweet. And it was a soundbite, so I don't know how far to take that. But that's the issue that you yeah. see right there. Yes. If everything is just, oh, we prayed about it, and here's what God said. Well, you can you can say anything if there's no plumb line, yes. so to speak, you're to God. measure it up against. When yeah. your mm-hmm. ethics are based in that, you're God or society is God. And, and honestly, you can't save yourself and society can't save you. And, and people, all types of people say crazy, you know, God told me to do this, God told me to do, you know, that. You, And you're open to spiritual attack, you're open to your own fallen conscience and mind and, you know, Yep. I believe God speaks to us in prayer, but I believe that as he speaks to us, it's always going to line up with his word. And if you throw that out and just base everything on, oh, we prayed about it and this is what God is yeah. saying now, yeah, you are going to ping pong Absolutely. back and forth on issues. So. And guys, there's there's almost 6 million Mormons in the United States. Uh, if they were a denomination, they would be the fourth largest denomination. Mm-hmm. Um there's there's more Mormons outside the state of Utah than than inside the state of Utah. There's more Mormons outside of America than inside of America. And, and if you're a Mormon and you're listening to this, I would just say, look at your founding. Look at that situation. Turn away from Joseph Smith and the questionable revelation that came to him through some sort of spiritual being, if even that happened, and turn to Jesus, because that's where you're going to find bedrock truth. Amen, Amen to that. And uh, we have some listeners of the podcast who are um, definitely well-versed in the uh, Mormon doctrine. Yeah, Jared. Jo- Joshua, Jared. Uh, so if you guys have some insights into what we've been talking about today, send us an email or leave a voicemail, and we'd love, we'd love to get some feedback put on the show going forward. Guys, is the Hall of Dogma Church friendly? We think it is. We think it is. Many churches think they're friendly. Are they really? Oh, dear. Are we about to find out we're not friendly? Uh, I don't know, but an article on ChristianPost.com is titled, Six Reasons Your Church Might Not Be As Friendly As You 
think. Oh, dear. It is. So uh, <laughs> we are the friendliest church in town. I've heard that statement thousands of times. The article starts out in over 500 church consul and thousands of church member interviews, I have heard that statement. Most church members really think their church is friendly. This is uh, written by Tom Rayner, who is the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources. Tom goes on to say, but more times than not, they are wrong. Guests Mm -hmm. who visit churches usually have a much different perspective. He then gives six things to consider if you think your church is really friendly. I don't think we'll go through all six of these, but I thought we would mention a few, maybe have just a bit of discussion about uh, particularly how, you know, when you have guests come into your church or visitors into your church, are there things that you could do that would push them away? Are there things that could uh, help bring them in? Uh, so let's, let's uh, bounce around to a few of these. Uh, here's one. Many church members see their church as friendly because they have a brief stand-and-greet time in the worship service. Tom Rayner says this issue has drawn a lot of attention. I think we can all agree, however, that there is much more to genuine friendliness than a two-minute greeting time. What do you guys think about the stand-up, meet-and-greet portion of the worship service? I've grown to hate it. <laughs> Number one, I think it's disingenuous. Number two, I think it terrifies visitors and singles them out. Um, and number three, it's just hokey. What do you think, Nick? This is one of those things that's it's hard for me to – I get a little bit political. When I say that, I mean I start kind of pro-con list down um, – did you say pro-communist? Pro-con list. Okay. Nick is pro-communist? I thought he says pro-communist. Oh. Pro-communist. Okay, go ahead, comrade. Remember, I'm the one who can snip out. Hey, y'all, oh, y'all keep record. talking. I'm going to go check on the Mormon in the bullpen. <laughs> <laughs> nice, because I'm not going to make it out of the church alive. Well, would you rather have a Mormon or a communist on the show? Oh, what about a communist Mormon? Well, that's scary. Anyway. Keep going there. This is delightful. <laughs> um, you know, because... I understand why some churches do it. Um, I, I really do. You want to make the people feel special, welcome, uh, all that. But it, but it is such a – the thing that people get accused of is church being disingenuous. And these people are made to feel like celebrities for two minutes and then forgotten. Mm. And, and and so, you know, I, I guess I'm more like a, a defined greeting time before, you know, yeah. I don't know, something like that. I, I tell you, you, you – Here's what you know. If you come to the Hall of Dogma Church and we do a meet and greet time, what you know is that the pastors are actually not ready to start the sermon yet. That's right. we got to find the chairs that we sit in and the stands because someone's put them up in a closet Or somewhere. the table that we set our Mountain Dews on, which yes. is very important. So if, if, we ever call, if we ever call for the meet and greet time, it means we need a couple extra minutes to get set up. We're stalling. Because the, well, setup, the, the setup team didn't even get it all that, done. Even at that, we go a... Because uh, uh, we don't have a setup team. Yeah, he was at a soccer game. <laughs> He, we'll he go, was today, we'll which is, talk by the way, why none of you will ever hear David's sermon on Hebrews chapter 4. And that was a great sermon, man. It really was a fantastic sermon. It's not going to be on the podcast. it was his best one of November, right? It was his it best was. one of November, by far. <laughs> uh, I will say, I am I, the meet and greet time to me is neutral. I'm fine. The way we've done it here before, which is, hey, just take a couple of minutes to greet people around you. I have no issue with. I think that if but you... see, that's different than the stand-up. It is. If you... Yeah, don't have, ever do that. If you Gracious. have visitors stand up, or even 
the other one, which is just bad in reverse. Everyone yeah. stand up, oh, except terrible. the visitors. The visitors keep sitting. It's just no one wants we will to tower above you. <laughs> <laughs> no one what? wants to be singled out. Like that's yeah. the thing. Most people come in come into a church. Um, they're already a little bit nervous as it is, and it, it it's it does it may seem like hey it's friendly to we want to recognize our visitors. Hey, your visitors probably don't want to be recognized. Not That's like that. Not like that. So, uh, so maybe that one I, I definitely can see um, see his point. We also uh, let's do a couple more of these. Um, uh, sorry, my the internet here is uh, being a little. Well, it's raining, and that's always going to take out Hall of Dogma Internet. (laughs) Always. Thank you, AT&T. Many church members perceive their church to be friendly because they have established relationships in the church. But church church guests typically do not have those relationships in the church. Therefore, they see the church differently. So it's possible that, hey, you think the church is really friendly because people are friendly to you, but a visitor coming into a setting – where there's a lot of deep friendships, they may not actually seem friendly to them. Nick, what do you think about that one? I, I can see that point. Um, we've actually, uh, you know, for better or worse, uh, at the Hall of Dogma Church, we have had people um, express that sentiment, that mm-hmm. feeling to us, um, b- because there are um, a lot of the, the families here, by God's grace, have been friends for a long time um, before the Hall of Dogma Church, and then since the, the church, uh, because of those relationships, some it maybe accelerated the pace of some friendships. And so it's, it's real easy for us to get into our Sunday morning groups um, that we just, you know, it, in the South, you, I'm not trying to make a football discussion, but, you know, the Alabama fans kind of gather together, start talking about the Alabama game. The Auburn fans kind of gel together. And, and it's, not, it's not meant to exclude anyone. We are they, excited. They, they gel together and mourn. <laughs> I, wasn't trying, I wasn't trying to comment, comment on the Sorry, games. I was trying to move the story forward. Um but I don't, I don't know how you. What do you do? Do you tell your your f- people that are here all the time? Hey, on Sunday morning, I, I know this is usually one of the only times you guys get to get together this week. But don't be friends on Sunday mornings because we got to welcome the visitors. Uh, you know. Yeah, that's definitely been. I, I think several years ago we set out here, and this is not just, trying to make light of the visitor exclusion. No, spell. it's, it's I, uh, look. We set out a couple of years ago, several years ago after Chase came. One of the things that we really want to do is see relationships grow here at the Hall of Dogma Church and, and to see people walking in deeper friendships and relationships. And I think, by God's grace, that's happened. But we have had some of the, you know, some of that feedback has come back that to a visitor coming in, they're walking into a setting where they can tell there's a lot of people and a lot of deep, friendly relationships. And quite honestly, people are not trying to be unfriendly. It's just that they're focused on what you're sure. saying. They're focused on talking to their brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and you know, we, we've, we've had uh, started off here with breakfast before, so they're sitting and eating and chatting. And, but from a visitor's perspective, they're walking into a room where they, all, they either have to sit alone or, or, or right. force their way into a conversation. And there's nothing worse than going into a place. I'd much rather go into a place where you can tell there's a bunch of other people there with you that don't, know, yeah, don't belong right. either yeah. than to walk into a place where you just automatically feel out of place. And that, has, that is something that you have to watch, I think, as a church. And we are still here trying to figure out how to work against that dynamic from a standpoint of, of new people coming in. In fact, we, you know, during our elders meeting today, it's one of the main kind of things we talked about. How do we, 
How do we handle those that that kind of an issue, that kind of disconnect that can come from you know people here? Some of them know each other very well, and and people can feel excluded. Uh, I'd actually like to hear from some of the the ministry leaders and and, and folks in the Hall of Dogma yeah. how to uh, how to do better with that because we would love to learn from you guys. Absolutely. How does your church handle that, or have you faced a similar issue before? And and how how did you handle it? Would love to hear how you handle that. So please maybe maybe post in the Hall of Dogma or send us uh, some communication. Really would like to hear. Let's do one more um, to get out. Um, this one I thought was interesting. Uh, Tom Rainer said, We found no significant evidence that church members are connecting with unchurched persons and bringing them to a worship service. It would seem that genuine friendliness would result in an influx of non-believers, yet that has not happened. So what he is saying is, if you have a group of people who gather together and, hey, they're really friendly, looks like they would be bringing more unchurched people to church. I call fail. But they're not. All right, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to take the segment first. No, it's, it's... I call foul because I think this is an issue of a little bit of a cultural Christianity thing. And this, I'm going to go ahead and not apologize for offending who I offend, but um, we've got work and we've got our work friends. And then we've got our, our after, after work community friends. Then we've got our Saturday game day friends. And then we've got our church Sunday friends. And those worlds stay separate. And, and, and it's because, you know, too many folks see church as that thing they do rather than that thing they are. And so what, what never happens is we may go to church, and, and, or excuse me, we may go to work, and people know we're a believer. We, they know we go to that church, um, but, but their life's their life, and we don't want to encroach. And, um, or maybe, you know, that guy, I've heard him talk about some things that I don't, I don't know if I have the answer to those questions, so I'm just going leave, to leave that alone. And they never... They never take that being the church out of the four walls, and they ever. You may have the friendliest church in the street or in the city, not not just on your street, but in the city. But but your people have to go out and. So you're and saying in. that not bringing people to church may not be an issue of being unfriendly. It may just be an issue. I don't of, think it has anything to do with the friendly or not level on a Sunday morning. Okay, I can say that. It doesn't so have to. It, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have to. I, I think there is kind of a false premise in the in the uh, in the question there, and I, I actually love Tom Rayner, but it, it essentially implies that it's the job of people of the church to bring unsaved people to the church. At which point, the service, the leaders, the pastor, etc., will quote get them saved. Yeah, I would I would push back against that idea a little bit. I, I don't think it's completely illegitimate. It worked in David's favorite movie. Uh, I mean, no, it's not good. Indeed, it did. Yes, um, I, I don't think it's completely illegitimate. Welcome, that you. should happen. We should sure, invite absolutely. people. My favorite to movie is actually Re- Wreck It Ralph. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> is that really your favorite movie? I love that movie. It's only pretty me good right movie. now. It's a great. It's movie. pretty good movie. It's probably not my favorite of all time. Tombstone is my favorite movie of all time. Oh, I watched it the other night. I'm your Huckleberry. That's that's a good movie. Uh, but you're gonna kill him. Well, we can't kill everybody. I mean, we're, we only have one person, one Mormon, warming up in the bullpen at Why the Captain moment. Captain Crunchy, so. <laughs> you look like someone just walked over your grave. Oh, right, my go ahead. goodness. That's nice. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that line um, is not nearly effective, as effective when you call it. <laughs> yeah, it kind of t- takes the... It takes the mickey out of it, doesn't it? Okay. So we have this idea that the church service or the church leaders save people. But that's not... 
That's not really how it's supposed to be. Every person in a church that is a blood-bought follower of Jesus is a minister and called to bring the gospel. We're all under that great commission urging. And I would, I would want to, you know, that, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're, we're, people, people that sit in the chairs, they're not, their job is not just to invite their friends. That's not, that's not the limit of their ministry. Uh, my friend Ryan Whitley, uh, who's a pastor, he says something that I think is really good. He says, we preach the gospel, God saves the people. And, and that's not just pastors. That's not just leaders. That's everybody. We preach the gospel. God saves the people. Now, I would say if people in your church never invite friends or whatever, that could be an indication. Sure. But but just saying they never invite unsaved people kind of implies that it's the church leader's job to get them saved. We should be inviting people. And in fact, I think that's something we should emphasize a bit more at the uh, Hall of Dogma Church. I think that uh, I, I do agree that it may not be an issue of being friendly or unfriendly like that. I I I see where he's going. I don't know that I would have added that number. And Tom Rainer, who I I like, he does a lot of lists. I don't know that I would put that one on this particular list. But I do think that one should go on some list because I agree with you that that old mindset and mentality of I just need to get someone to church so the pastor can save them is ultimately not what the Bible is pointing us to because we're all supposed to be ministers of the gospel. Although I do not have an issue if you are new in the faith and trying to learn, you wanting to bring someone else to hear from a a more mature Christian because you're still learning, no issue with that. But I do think that if we are Christians and we love one another and we are in community and we see someone in our life and in our community who is not in fellowship and not in a church and not in a community, then we should want to bring them in. And obviously we we, we want to bring them in through them coming to know Christ. But I, I do think we probably should see much more of people inviting someone to go to church with them than we actually do. I wholeheartedly um, agree with I, that. I think I, I, we, you hear that statistic all the time. I don't know how valid it is, but the, the idea that m- many people would go to church if someone just invited them is probably it's probably got some type of fire to that, and, and we should be inviting more people to come with us. Um, so I, I, would add, I would add that. Maybe, though, that is not a friendly issue. See, one of the things that worries me where we're – Base and we've talked about it. We're in the South, um, Bible Belt. I mean, right? We're the belt buckle of the stupid Bible Belt. Um, <laughs> Did he just the say the stupid Bible, Bible Belt. belt. <laughs> Everybody knows what I mean. Thank you very much. The SBB. <laughs> Jeepers. Um, what if What if you're worried about? And this may be another. This may be a good hall of dogma discussion as well. But um, you know the church your your work buddy goes to, and they're super fired up about it. But you're you're scared to death of the doctrine they're getting or not getting, the teaching they're not getting, things like that. And you don't want to church poach. You don't want to be that guy. But at the same time, yeah, that's a great question. So, because yeah. that can be done wrong. I mean, look, I, I am, and not to offend anyone, but I am not a fan of getting on social media, Facebook or Twitter, and talking about how great your church is. I, I like rah rah cheerleading. Yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of like my church is the best church. I don't look. I'm not. I would not. You know, I would not want someone at the Hall of Dogma Church doing that. Yeah. You know, probably, you know, it's probably happened. I'm just saying, I'm just not a fan of that because we're not in competition. Yeah, this is not like the SEC where yeah. it's, you know, being Alabama. We're not about trying to build our little building your kingdom. Brand. Yeah, yeah your our brand. brand. That's, that's okay. what it is. It's, I'm sorry. I'm, no, I, I'm about to step over my soapbox. <laughs> that's brand building. Not and, a fan of that. Yeah, I know. But I, I do 
I do think there's probably a time where, you know, you don't want to be trying to pull people away from their churches, but there may be a time where that needs to happen, like you said, because it's just not healthy where you are. You can kind of see that. It's just got to be done with wisdom and probably in the council of more than one uh, individual. Get some other people involved in, hey, I'm seeing this. Is it just me? Or, or is maybe this something that we need to go and talk yeah. to them about? Yeah, if you're trying to pull people away from another church because you think you're a better pastor or you're a better leader or, or whatever, chances are – See, I'm more talking about lady, worried about lady. It, it, uh, well, yeah, and, and I, but I think that's a real issue, Nick. I mean there's some churches around here, some big successful churches, and quite honestly, if a Christian came to me and said, do you think I should go there? We'd just be like – even if they never come to the HOD church or whatever, yeah. she'd be like, no, I don't think that would be good for you. I don't think that would make you a deeper follower of Jesus. I think it would make you shallow. I had to quite step frankly. through that minefield one time because a buddy of mine, his his girlfriend, really liked a certain church. That, yeah. You know, understood why they went there, but I just kind of went, you know, I think there's better options for you. But she was getting extremely blessed from it in her mind. But what I went was, in my mind, I'm going, you feel good when you leave. I don't know if you're going to see gospel change in your life yeah. over time. And that's look the yeah. big exciting church with the big exciting happenings and the buzz all about town. I just this is maybe a little risky to say, but is rarely the church that is that is faithfully preaching Christ and, and making disciples and glorifying God um, rather than building up. A ministry of of shallowness, and we're not painting with such a broad brush that we're mega church bashing. I mean, uh, yeah, Blatt's that's church, true. Brook Hills is in the same city we are, and so and it's a strong. Place. And I'm a huge, huge fan of their. There are churches who work. can do that, but but it's what what we're talking about. It's gospel based. It's gospel centered. It's gospel. It, the gospel is what drives them out of the door. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, I do have a confession. I did church poach one time. Did you? Yeah. I went after a buddy of mine that was at a church. I just really didn't think that that was where he needed to be, and I I talked him into coming to the HOD. Did it work? Yeah. He's sitting across from me. Nice. What's up? It only took me a year and a half. Wow. And I would tell us Actually, what, it only took him a year and a half to answer my email. Tell us tell us what church he left, and uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, I can't wow. Kidding. No. Can't do that. We're not having that conversation. All right. Uh, but if you're an insider him, on the Hall of Dogma, speaking, we want to... Yeah. <laughs> That's for, uh, look, I'll gladly tell for nine ninety five a month. We wow. will send you the insider newsletter. <laughs> In episode one, we will tell you which church David pulled Nick from, and we will That's also right. give you the dog story. And we will also now, now that the dog story is a higher level. Oh, uh, it's not. Is, but if you're a first time giver, we will tell you the real name of the Hall of Dogma so is it Church. The church, I was going to whenever you started emailing me, or. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a long story. Speaking of uh, Nick, it is uh, time for Nick to lead the next segment. Oh, all wait. Look at the time. <laughs> I guess we're going to have to skip it. <laughs> wah, after wah, all. Wah, wah. all right. Sorry, Nick. Uh, maybe next week. All right. The Hall of Dogma this week, we, we had a ton of great discussion, and we were actually um, discussing before the show um, what topics to cover. Um, want to get to the article, Rise of the Duns. Um, hopefully get to that next week. But this week, we wanted to um, – we addressed it in an earlier episode. Um, do we do we figure out which episode it was? Yeah, I think the three, uh, three? episode two. Okay, anyway, two we'll, or three. Yeah. Two or three, but it, but it was asked directly again this week, and there was a lot of good talk in the um, – in the comments, but secondhand sermons, is it unrealistic for a congregation to expect that when they hear the preacher give a sermon, 
that it is actually a word from them that he has worked on by praying and seeking the scriptures and possibly other sources with the Holy Spirit's guidance. What do you do when you find out your pastor has been using someone's sermons from websites and presenting them as his own? For clarification, just to be clear, not talking about using quotes or even get up and saying, I really feel led to share this word from so-and-so with you all. I'm talking about using a complete sermon or big chunks of several sermons um, from the Internet and preaching them as if you they were your own. Um, I'm going to throw it to Chase first. Oh, wow. Th- this is a... I don't I don't see how you jeez I, I want to be charitable here I, I don't see how you can do this how a preacher can go and take a complete sermon or large chunks of sermon preached by somebody else and, and preach that sermon that's that's disturbing to me um all right so so you know Paul lists out, uh, you know, the gift of pastor-teacher, and grammatically, you know, it, it appears that pastor-teacher is connected, but I think we've all known some people who seem to be strongly gifted teachers, but not strongly gifted pastors, and mm. vice yeah. versa. And I could see somebody who's pastoring a church that's more gifted in the area of pastor and less gifted in the area of teaching having this sort of temptation to do something like this. But even in that case, this is just wholly inappropriate. It's it, it's it's robbing the pastor, number one, of deep time in the word. And it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like being a quarterback and never passing or, or, or something. I mean, it's one of the most important defining things a shepherd does is go to the Word and, and being led by the Holy Spirit in the Word, get a message for the, the body that, that he's shepherding and then deliver it to them. And it doesn't need to be flashy. It doesn't need to be spoken in a in a like a particularly charismatic way or filled with amusing illustrations and stories, but it needs to be faithful to the word and it needs to be personal. If it's not coming from a personal place of your time in the word, it's going to ring hollow and it's not I don't know that it's going to bear a lot of fruit. I'm troubled by this, and I, I haven't heard many instances of it. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't. I mean, I've heard, I've heard here there are some, um, uh, you know, people that have read, gotten fired from a church because they, you know, found out they were buying their sermons online, or uh, you know, there's there's actually websites, there's places that will, will write sermons. You can go out there and buy the outlines for them, and then kind of see. Go that to in me is a little bit different of a question. I was going to actually follow up with that. So if you want to go there, that's that's fine. Now, I was we, ask I'll let you follow up that in just a second. Uh, I, we talked about in episode two um, pulpit plagiarism, and uh, we we read an article from the religionnews.com, and and I don't remember a lot of our uh, discussion there. Let, let me try to let me try to say where let me let me try to give a foundational comment, and then where I have a real issue. Number one, as a pastor I and a teacher, I don't believe any sermon material that I have is copyrighted or belongs to me. My view, yeah, my view is that I am seeking God's words for the people of the congregation, and I want to speak to them based on what God is 
uh, leading me to say. And, you know, I, I write as I write. I write as I have, you know, from my personality and who I am and how I teach. And, you know, quite honestly, sometimes there are things that I say that I – I can remember hearing somewhere. I don't remember who said it. I just remember hearing it, and that 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 informs a message. Or it, I'm writing. I and I don't. I don't think I own that. Like I've seen pastors who, you know, get really territorial over their stuff yeah. they've written. You know, and I I want you to. I would personally not have a problem for someone pulling a quote out of one of my sermons and putting it into theirs and just not mentioning my name. Now, I'm not saying that's right. You know, is that ultimately right or wrong? I'm just saying I wouldn't have an issue with that. I just, it's, to me, it it doesn't belong to me. It never belonged to me, and I'm not going to get territorial over it. Now, moving over here, do I have an issue with a pastor or a teacher who has made it their lifeblood, so to speak, their week-in, week-out routine is to take someone else's message change up a couple of words, and present it as their own. Yeah, I have a huge problem with that because I think it's just lazy. Like, you're not, you're not, I don't really think you're, you're, you're teaching the way a pastor or a shepherd no. teaches. If you're too busy to prepare a message, you're too busy to yeah, shepherd a congregation. Y- exactly. I think we may have even mentioned that when we covered this Boom. before. How do you do that? No, it's... If you if you want to take someone else's material and just kind of teach it, then do that in a small group setting, or you may even do it in a large group setting, but just say, here's what I'm doing. I don't think a pastor, teacher, elder will last very long doing that because it is your job to shepherd and feed the sheep, and you can't always do that from regurgitated meals from someone else. Yeah. You know, you, you, you are going to have to present them fresh food on a plate. Uh, so I don't think it'll work long-term. I don't think it's a good idea long-term. But also I think pastors need to be very careful about trying to put the, the C stamp on their, on their material. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good um, common t- discussion, really, in the Hall of Dogma. Um, people throwing out different things and, and then actually some clarification of points. And so um, we'll call out um, Joshua for his brief comments that weren't um, – love your brother on that one. But, um, you know, I, I fall down on this with you guys just that it blows my mind that, that somebody could. I'll ask an additional follow-up um, to the one I was going to ask. David, um, you had mentioned um, – you you write the sermons that you write, having studied, having done those kind of things. Um, what do you have any um, heartburn? We'll just use heartburn, just the general uneasiness about pastors um, who then they or they have a ghostwriter slash intern slash co writer um, uh, combine multiple sermons in a series and then output it in the form of a book. Um, does that give you any heartburn? And do you, do you have any trouble with that being "quote unquote" copywritten? Okay, um, I don't have an issue at all with sermons being put together in a book form. Um, I, I actually know several pastors who I respect greatly who has who have done mm-hmm. that and um, have no issue with that at all. As a matter of fact, having being, I'm a guy who kind of tr- uh, manuscripts out my messages. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you could you could kind of just pick up a message that I do and you could read it mm-hmm. like an essay or something. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I, that's how I do mine. Um, so I would have no issue with that. If you have a quote unquote ghostwriter, you have someone who is doing more than just combining your material. In other words, they're actually adding their own mm-hmm. words in there, then their name needs to be on it. 
if they're not adding any material, I don't think you have to put them on there as an author. I'm more thinking of they've you've got they've got your sermons and they're just making them flow from one chapter. I don't have an issue with that. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe you put them in the appendix or whatever as a as a resource, but I don't have an issue because that's your material. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a guy doing all the research for you and kind of that's different stuff, some pastors do have that. Well, and I I do worry a little bit about that. Not a lot, but. I think that's a pretty. I think that could be a pretty big deal if you like. Again, if you're someone else is doing it, and you're just sticking your name on it. Yeah, now that I don't like that, but I'm, I mean, you dig in the word for yourself if you're well, yeah. preaching. What that, I'm talking about, and I'll I'll throw out cards on the table when I'm talking. About, I'm talking about Chandler, and like there's been times I've been reading his books and I'm listening to the sermon series or two before it, and it's like, oh, I just read that in your book a couple of days ago, and that does not bother me no, no, in, no, in no, the slightest. Um, David Platt did that with Radical. Did he? I, okay. I had listened to a, I had listened to a ton of Platt sermons yeah. for a couple of years when he released Radical. A, a lot of it was material he had taken from yeah. his sermon. But I have no issue with that. Yeah. You're, you're just writing at a different time. Yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about ghost writers that they wrote the whole thing, and that's not that's not what I'm looking at. I do have an issue with people who buy sermons. That's going to be my next question. Okay, I do have an or issue with sell that. sermons. I have a I have an. That's like buying, uh, you know. I, I teach in a college, and one of the issues we have is plagiarism on on essays and stuff like that. You can buy essays uh, oh, yeah. online, oh, yeah. and, and obviously that's terrible. Well, buying sermons is terrible, and selling sermons is worse. Yeah. What about sermons? Let's okay. Let's let's take a step back. Uh, one of the kind of conversations that didn't get heated or anything, but just kind of went back and forth for a minute. Um, Kevin Sanders said, I think it would depend on, on how the pastor goes about it. Don't know if it's a big deal to use another person's general outline and customize it. Um, there was a discussion that went on to, to clarify, um, and, and what Kevin was talking about was not you know anything egregious um, as, as that was clarified in the comments. But you know, what if what if it's uh, I've seen um, some Facebook or some marketing that's like a series, and it's oh. more. Um, it's it's a prepackaged series that then you um, you go in and fill in, but it, it gives you marketing materials. It gives you stuff that a smaller scale church may not be able to do on their own um, to, to make them. And, I'm and this not is where it gets crazy difficult. Crazy about that, I, uh, you know, kind of a fill in the blank kind of thing. I'm going <laughs> to give you the skeleton. I'm I'm going to try to be more diplomatic and say it was kind of. A basic outline with suggested reading to it wasn't as egregious as I'm I'm thinking you're you're taking somebody's stuff yeah. off the internet and putting your name on it, um, but it it made me nervous looking at it. It makes me a little nervous too. I will say this: David and I both uh, use the, the the Bible program Logos quite extensively, and, and unless I'm mistaken, you and I both on the John Piper Sermon Archive. Uh, the Tim Keller sermon archive. I have the Keller one. I don't. I have not gotten the the Piper sermon archive oh, yet. Dude, Although, you should. It's a lot cheaper. Well, the all of his stuff is still well, free on desiring so I haven't bought it yet. Or, but and I, I and I use, use those like commentaries. I do that too, exactly like commentaries. Now you can't take a Keller message or a Piper message or whatever and preach it as your own. Maybe that's but a little not tempting. what you guys do. You but, guys. And I'll I'll throw this out there just because it's hopefully it just removes any doubt. But I've seen these guys prep. They use Google Docs. Um, we so we have a kind of a notes archive, and um, they'll have a sermon series they've kind of planned for in advance. They'll figure out the topics. We've been doing Hebrews, and they've met, prayed, um, 
and kind of said, this is what we see in Hebrews, this is what we want to talk about, and they know where the Lord is leading them. And then they go get expert counsel, or what they feel is expert counsel, to, to of what people have said about the topics for further information, for further insight, for further learning, just like Chase is talking about. You have a student, you want them to go write an essay, and you go get them to get further information. This is not plagiarism that we're talking about. I used Keller this morning. I, you yeah. know, I used a, 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 I used a um, illustration that Keller had used because it was really good. Yeah. I just thought it was really good. But I said up front, this is right. Tim Keller, exactly. here, and this is an illustration that he uses, and, and then I gave the illustration. And I have I – don't, I don't think that's an issue at all. Uh, you know, you're – sometimes – and again, sometimes the, the ultimate goal here – is making disciples. And if, if as a shepherd or an elder, uh, you, you believe my congregation would benefit from hearing Charles Spurgeon on this yeah, or would benefit from hearing what Keller wrote on this. I just read a five-minute thing from Spurgeon you three weeks ago. You did a couple ago. weeks ago. Uh, you should give it to them. Yeah. It, you know, and again, you give the credit. You know, that, that's the, hey, it, this is coming from this person, and, and here's more resources if you want to go read more. But the ultimate goal is not, oh, we need to produce from scratch all new materials so we can – we need to make disciples. And so whatever God is leading you to say to help do that. Absolutely. I have one more question Go along ahead. these lines. David, Nick, as well, what do you guys think about regurgitating your own sermons? In other words, using a sermon you preached years ago in a different context and then preaching it again. Uh, I have uh, – I don't have – um, I know you and I have had this discussion before. I think you've told me before you have a tendency to not like that idea as much. I don't have a problem with it if it fits the moment. Right. If See, God okay. leads it, uh, you know, if God, you know, reminds you of something and, oh, this would be good for me to share here. Although I've rarely done that. Now, what I have done is taken material from sermons that I've done before, yeah. brought them in and freshened it up for a different perspective. I don't think I've ever just taken a sermon and just talked through it a second time. But if someone did that, I don't, I don't necessarily – I'm not a guy who thinks every single time you get up there, God has to give you a brand new word. Uh, maybe sometimes God will say, hey, remember that word I gave you before? Do it again here. But that could be different from a guy who's just like going from church to church to church doing the same sermon like maybe a, a – An evangelist kind of uh, – yeah, yeah, maybe somebody – I was going to say somebody who's going on tour – and you're just always doing your same act, uh, that, yeah. that would be a red flag to me. Uh, a bit. Yeah. Um, in a teaching context, I have and, – and this is where I, I'm splitting teaching and preaching a little bit, and if, and if that gives people heartburn, I apologize. But you know, I'm thinking of a Sunday school, um, or we do, we do uh, small groups here. So if your church does um, quarterly small groups, and the small group is about marriage, and you know, the teacher of it has developed a marriage curriculum – I don't. I don't see the problem with reusing that material. Um, when when you're talking about pre- preaching the word, there's a little bit more of a, a Holy Spirit led piece of it to me um, that you need to be ready. But I think you need to be sensitive to that, even if you're in a quote unquote staunch teaching role, even in that that marriage curriculum. I think you need to be open to if if you're prepping. What I would what I would have heartburn with is if the person walks in with a notebook that they have memorized and and doesn't put any time thought prayer to it um, probably prayer thought um, time prayer thought to it um, before going in that's where I would I would go veto um, because I think you know 
they're in the moment, even in that marriage class, there may be something a little bit obscure somebody needs to hear that if you're just if you're regurgitating in that regard without any spirit leading then that I would get concerned yeah. about that I'd say the Bible does say be be ready in season and out yeah um, and so there's a there's a now I don't know that that means hey plan out a couple of sermons in case you ever need them, probably more along the lines of be up in your study of the word so that you're prepared to feed someone at, at at any moment but uh i i think you can i think you can get it way out of line over here on one side in terms of using um someone else's material as your own which we've all sounds like condemned at this point but at the same time i think you can get over line you know you can get out of line over here um with people getting too crazy about what a pastor should do or not do um, teaching wise, like well, they shouldn't use someone else's quote, or they shouldn't, you know, use a sermon that they have already done once. I, what is God directing in that moment? I, I just don't believe God is going to di- direct dishonesty for you to take I, someone else's stuff and present it as your own. I don't think God's going to direct that. Dan uh, Richardson, uh, who is a sexton, <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, is that a, um, a cleanup person? It is. Okay, so Dan... A person uh, who looks after a church in a churchyard. Okay, thank you. Uh, Dan Richardson just quoted on Facebook as we, in the Hall of Dogma, he says, applying this concept to other lines of work might be interesting. I would be more than happy to claim credit for a pre-clean church building. So Nice. That, uh, that, is, that is good stuff. Hall of Dogma has been great this week. I have yeah. not been as active in there because of um, being on hey, a little bit of Sabbath rest. All right, go in but, uh, By the way, Hall of Dogma is a group on Facebook. And if you're a listener to this show and you're not in the Hall of Dogma, just quite frankly, you're missing some great discussion. Join. Did you enjoy your rest, David? I did. I, I, I talked about it this morning. Um, had you been at church, you would have heard. Um, Keep it up. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of things to steal from, um, Kristen Brown sarcasm tag hashtag sarcasm at i am super dad yep uh what are your favorite websites you like to peruse what has the best stuff out there um a lot of people threw out a lot of good stuff um what are your top three chase i think you posted them in here espn.com i did i do go to espn quite frequently uh let's see my top three christian website uh, I would say number one is Chalice.com, which is a weird name, but it's uh, Tim Chalice's last name. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S.com. Tim's a great writer. He's an elder in church. Uh, the great thing I like about Tim's uh, website is it has a, a almost daily uh, list of links to interesting oh, stories yeah. of Christianity, uh, interesting posts by other people, funny things, interesting things. It's great. It, it's almost like a kind of a Christian Reddit um, in, in a sense. I mean, you get a lot of links every day. Plus, he does a great job of uh, discounted Kindle books uh, oh. that are that are really good, Charlie's including talk. a bunch oh. of commentaries that does David he do that and I. Does he on Twitter as well? Does he post that out? I don't. Yeah, he I think he posts out. a link to it, but um, he puts them all together in one blog post every day. I like Trevin Wax's blog for the same exact reasons. Um, I like Justin Taylor's blog because he's, he's a good writer. Uh, Adrian Warnock uh, is another good one. Um, and then uh, David Murray, headhearthand.org slash blog. Okay. Those are those are some of mine. Hard for me to put those in order. What's your what's your top three or four, David? Yeah, I don't know about. Uh, it, it's hard probably for me to put um, in a in a top order. Chase just name some. I actually, of course, I don't 
uh, I go. I have an app on my phone called Feedly, which is mm-hmm. I think from Google, which is just a blog. It's just a blog um, RSS reader, and so I, I am subscribed to many, many blogs. And um, I was just actually reading through here some. Some Chase mentioned. I, I don't honestly know um, which one that I would uh, choose as top. Uh, top three or four. There's one called uh, Gospel Driven Church, uh, which is uh, Jared Wilson. Uh, Jared C. Yeah, he's a good writer. Familiar with him. I, I like how he he writes. He co-wrote with Chandler. Um, I am a um, uh, Desiring God's blog. Desiring God. Uh, did you mention John Piper? Uh, oh, John you know Piper what? I should have yeah, totally done that. That is um, one of my top three. Definitely absolutely. up there on, on my top. Uh, and. Um, uh, usually the Gospel Coalition, the Matt Walsh blog. I enjoy Matt Walsh's he's stuff funny. just because he's he's hilarious. Have Radical you read him since he moved to Blaze. I have not. Oh, okay. Radical dot net, which is uh, the uh, ministry of uh, David Platt, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, and I'll, I'll mention another one, just maybe kind of surprising to some people, but Pastors dot com, which is the uh, website for Rick Warren and his ministry. Okay. And I actually happen to be a Rick Warren. Uh, what a quote, fan. Well, that's where you get your sermons I, from. I, I <laughs> Rick Warren. I actually think Rick Warren, uh, he's, he's taken a hit over the years for some questionable theology, but uh, I actually, if you have a chance, go out and, and look at the interview that R- John Piper interviewing Rick Warren and listen to Piper ask him some pretty hard questions. Listen to Rick Warren's answers on those questions, and it's pretty eye-opening and insightful to me. And he's just a great pastor. Like hmm. Rick Warren has a pastor's heart. And uh, and I would uh, take up for him on that. Also, a couple of friends of the shows. Um, yeah. So we got Robert Johnson, Apologetics 105. Is that still the name it's of his? Apologetics105.com. That's yeah. right. A uh, great blog on apologetics, as you might imagine. Actually, he just posted, I think, uh, shows zero minutes ago, Knowing Christianity and Showing Christianity is a new article. Um, Kevin Small, uh, who, has a, um, who has a blog as well, and um, uh, he has been – Posting, I think some of those in the uh, in the he Hall of Dogma, and those are um, his uh, website is uh, myhopejourney.co. Yes, Kevin's, yeah, myhopejourney.co. And it is we'll have these we'll have the three that we're mentioning now in the show notes as well. His is geared toward um, ministry to families who've had prodigals. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit of a testimonial and yeah. that, yeah. that sort of thing. Tony Vance also rev Tony Vance dot Wix W I X dot com slash Tony Vance. Again, I'll put these in the show notes. The uh, director. Lighthearted to exit out. Chase, what is your favorite non theology church resource website to visit? Oh wow. Uh I guess you know, I guess I'd have to say Reddit.com. See, I, was, I was betting Reddit for you. Um it is filled with filthy People and atheists and things like that, but uh, also a lot of. I mean, it's a huge, massive website. Yeah, yeah. A lot of atheists, a lot of liberals, a lot of believers, a lot of things like that. But uh, kind of, I don't want to say it keeps me worldly, which is obviously a bad thing. But it keeps it helps me keep my finger on the pulse of the world to be in the world, but not of the world. And plus, there's you know there's some pretty entertaining things, some sure. some unique sort of people there. A lot of comments. Um, you know, whatever city you're in, there's going to be a subreddit for that city. Cool. There's a pretty good one for Birmingham. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I guess Reddit would be my choice. David, is this uh, just anything in general? Or it kind of non-church theology. Um, oh, but theology related? Non. 
Oh, uh, well, I was going to say BleacherReport.com. Does there that catch? Go. Okay, so I oh, just yeah, – uh, Bleacher Report's uh, – You like Bleacher Report? You know, I do because it, it's a lot of sports for, you know, any any sport you want, a lot of oh, articles. Yeah, look, I go there almost every day. And it's a uh, – and it's usually written – I mean, you have to understand it's it's – Usually written by guys like us, yeah, who are just turning snarky. in stuff. So it's pretty snarky, yeah. but yeah. I mean, it's it's you get some good information there, and it's kind of to me, it's entertaining to read. If we're I just talking about mindless, sense. if we're just talking about mindless websites, that's one. I go there about every day. So, um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for posting in the Hall of Dogma uh, again. Yeah, you guys are awesome. E- even if we and ladies, uh, I know for speaking for me, and I think for Chase and Nick too, having uh, had these conversations, even if we're not. Uh, liking or commenting on a post, we're we're in there reading. Uh, I think we we're pretty much in there daily, just reading through the posts and the comments. And, and again, um, I try to be more active in there. Uh, about two more weeks, work will allow for me to be a little bit more. Uh, the, yeah, just if if I am uh, if there's a situation where I can't be that week, but we're, we're reading through those. Let's do so a little bit more listener feedback before we get out of here for tonight. At Funky Stickman. Uh, who we hear from a lot on Twitter, uh, says, at my gospel friends, uh, regarding Driscoll, I think people disliked his personality. They were looking for a reason to take him down. Max Headroom is right. This is going back to a couple weeks ago talking about some of the Driscoll things. He, uh, Funky Stickman mentioned ministry of criticism, which is something that we talked about on the show, is so sad. Offended victim culture has permeated the church. Um, and I just happen to agree with him there. I, I am... I am it is not that I am not um, compassionate uh, in, in terms of people who have who have um, been hurt, especially in church settings. I am, and I think there are are things like abuse, sexual abuse in the church that are that is I would put in a whole different category by itself. But there is in many churches kind of a culture of easily uh, offensive, easily offended people. And we like to play the victim, and we have to be very careful about that because I think the Bible points us to worry about others, humble yourself, honor others, and let God defend you. And you can't do that if you've kind of gotten into this victim mentality of, hey, everybody's against me and nothing ever goes my way. It's just difficult uh, in, in a church environment, and I think that's something that kind of does permeate the church as funky stick man mentions i think that's true let, let me say this on the on the driscoll thing i've thought a lot about that uh, obviously there's some things driscoll did that were just very egregiously wrong how egregiously wrong i don't think we know um but here here's the issue i've had with that the driscoll takedown happened at the hands of people that disagreed with his theology Janet Mefford, Warren Throckmorton, uh, a lot of the Patheos bloggers, etc. The people that went after Driscoll, essentially, in my viewpoint, I can't prove this, but I think they went after him not because they thought he was a bad pastor, but because they disagreed with his theology. Now, the Bible says wounds from a friend can be trusted, and you're. All right, so I'm an Alabama fan. Alabama fans have the reputation of being arrogant or whatever. But let me tell you who I'm not going to listen to. Tell me I'm an arrogant Alabama fan, and that's a big Auburn fan. Yep. Because as far as football goes, we're we're not football friends. Now David and I, David's one of the best friends I've ever had. We're, we're friends in every other way, but I, I'm not necessarily going to listen to him as much. Say Chase, you know, you're a stupid arrogant <laughs> Alabama fan, <laughs> as if I would listen to Nick or John or some of my other friends who yeah. are. Because wounds from a friend can be trusted, and I think Driscoll did not repent earlier than he has 
Let me let me express it this way. I think if there had been people of like mind with him that would have challenged him earlier, I mean national people, you know, not necessarily people close to him, that might have helped uh, more so than all of these people who disagreed with his theology, Rachel Held Evans and people like that, throwing spears from afar. I don't know if I'm going to trust your criticism quite so much when you completely disagree with me. I, I I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think that not having a relationship always disqualifies you from being able to point out something in someone's life, you know, another brother or sister in Christ. Um, I think there's probably a time for that. You can speak into issues not having a relationship with someone. But expecting someone to listen to your encouragement or your rebuke or your – that mainly comes from people that you trust and you build relationships Absolutely. with. And that's my problem with – the bloggers. That's my problem with the ministry of criticism that is out there is that you're not even trying to follow the scriptural principles yeah. for relationship and how you handle grievances. You're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to write from afar, like you said, throwing stones and expect people to change on the spot because you said they should. Well, yeah. that, that's a, we are told to make disciples. I, I just don't see much in scripture of blogger ministry giftings. Uh, like I'll say criticism. it again. God has not gifted you with a ministry of criticism where your main job is to tear down uh, a particular pastor, leader, or whatever. That's not what God has called you to do. If that's the primary focus of your, quote, ministry or your writing or whatever, that's you're called to make disciples. I'm not saying you're not right. I'm saying that's not your ministry. To the degree that you spend your time throwing spears at somebody else is to the degree that you become like them in the negative things you're pointing out in them. Criticism of others will ultimately turn your heart black because we're not called to that. Amen to that. I agree wholeheartedly. We have a voicemail we want to play before we get out of here as well for some voicemail feedback. Uh, let's let's key that up. Uh, warning, go ahead and fasten your seatbelts. Whiplash. Yeah. Or a plug the ears of your children. Yes, this is Corey, and Chase asked me to call in and explain how I can get my wife to rub my feet while I, while I admonish her with my King James Bible. Well, we actually caught my wife watching Magic Mike, and we thought that the only way of proper restoration was for her to sit sit at my feet while I read the authentic King James Version to her while she rubs my feet and it has worked very well. Maybe you guys should try it at home. All right, we appreciate you guys being here for episode twenty five. Um Chase, what is that about? I what did you do? I, I don't know how to explain that very well. Uh, uh, Corey had mentioned how his his wife, uh, I believe this was in the Hall of Dogma, how his wife would rub his feet while he preached the King James Version to her. And I simply asked the question, how does one accomplish such a miracle? Because that doesn't happen in my household. And, and so well, and apparently according that's According to that's Corey, how, you, you catch them watching something they shouldn't on television. Well, let's all be looking for that. Hey, um... Number one, we definitely need to remind people that we can't get in trouble for someone else's voicemail. That's right. That's their responsibility. That's their, it is your responsibility as callers. So, yes. Uh, and, We've uh, proven that we'll put just about anything on the air <laughs> that yeah. you sent us. Yeah. And uh, number two. It would be rude not to, and, you know, quite yeah, frankly. Quite, quite frankly. And number two, I'm just going to take a wild guess that uh, – that Corey's wife doesn't have a Facebook login or is not a member of the Hall of Dogma. Oh, I <laughs> would guess reading, not. Uh, uh, you know, she, uh, you know, he, he called that voicemail and left it 
and he said the same thing we do. Yep. Yeah, my wife will never listen. You know who I'd love to hear from next week's show? Corey's wife. Why don't you call <laughs> us in and confirm that story or give us your own uh, uh, your own yeah. take? Good luck with that. I, um, by the way, wouldn't even want my feet to be rubbed. I, that's never. I'm not even, a fan of having my feet rubbed. That's never even remotely either. sounded appealing to me. No, me neither. Now, good back rub. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always curious on the King James guy. Maybe the, the old paths guide can uh, let us in on that. But uh, you know, we used to get emails from people at the Hall of Dogma Church, and they'd be like, oh, "I'd like to come visit Sunday. We just wanted to check on what version of the Bible to use." Yeah. Which I immediately know they're KJV only, That's right. because you know you don't ask otherwise. Yeah. Uh, but always, you know, like well, which true. version of the KJV do you particularly like? Because you happen to know that the KJV that we have today is not actually the 1611, because you really couldn't even read that. And understand it. Yep. But anyway, uh, that that is uh, that Chase is, looked like he was going to pull a source. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing. I, I, I'm actually I'm, I'm wondering if we should have the whole. Uh, well, we got to have that King James version. All right, let's uh, have that let's discussion, have that discussion at, some, at some point. Speaking, that would be a good one. Speaking of old paths, God, he did thank us for the discussion on women teaching in the ecclesia. Yeah. He hey. said your take was exactly mine. The issue is authority. By the way, do not quote from the ESV evil satanic version or satanic. Santanic. What did I say? Santanic. You said Santanic, like the you know the musician, <laughs> not to be Santana. confused with Satan, Santana. like the accuser of the brethren. I don't really like him all that much. Isn't that, is that the dude with the guitar? I, I, oh my! The evil yes, Santana. Your, your, yes. One of your best friends is crying right now. Did you who? John. Uh, did you not know that uh, he had his own uh, Bible verse? <laughs> I did. I did not yeah, know Lord that. Lord help us. I, I agree with Nick. Let's probably end on that. Do we? Should we end on that this week? We're are we out of time? There is a chance we've already ended. Crash land the plane. Lord help us all. And we'll see you next week, where hey. the general will be here for episode twenty six, and David will serve a one game suspension for his <laughs> uh, smearing of a biblical version name. I'll see you all on the flip side. Twenty seven. Goodbye. Grace and peace.